listening to VC Land, a podcast featuring leading VCs and investors who take us through their investment strategies, portfolio companies, what they like to look for in founders, sectors that are hot, what makes them finally invest, strategies for exit, whether companies should stay private or public, and tips and tactics for companies looking to work with VCs. Welcome to VC Land. Joining me today on VC Land is Dr. Jeff Waring. Jeff leads up Stoic Venture Capital. Dr. Jeff Waring, welcome to VC Land. Good morning, Justin. Welcome. Now, for those of us not familiar with Stoic Ventures, can you tell us a little bit about the fund that you manage? Yeah, sure. Uh, I um, This whole uh, idea of Stoic was born out of a desire to improve the venture capital process that I've had for a long time. Um, I was, you know, used to be a, a university academic and I uh, worked in the strategy entrepreneurship area. And um, I saw that what makes a country great is having um, uh, big companies that can export overseas. And what that largely came out of was the university sector in other countries um, and driven by venture capital. Um, but it didn't seem to work in Australia very well. And um, and you had one company, Radiata, I think was a big success that made an exit for 350 yes. million. Yes. Um, and there wasn't much more. Um, and what I saw also was a, a very inefficient process. Um, it was actually very wasteful. So what you have is um, when founders are looking for capital, um, they take months, they'd be pitching for funds to various investors and each investor would have to go into it in depth and do all their due diligence. And then they'd say no. And it could <laughs> take right. you know, and you do this over and over and it can take up to 18 months and then even then not get it. And very few would succeed. And this is just an inefficient process for everyone. So, and then I saw, I'd seen the processes in markets that I, because that's my area is markets and, and how yes. they work better. And there was a company called De Beers that sells diamonds. And what they have this process is when they sell their diamonds to buyers, they just have a bundle of them of varying qualities. And you as a buyer don't get to pick and look through every little one. Like when you're picking fruit at a supermarket, yeah. you just have to choose the bag. And you might get really good ones. You might get some not so good ones. But on average, because of the brand, you know you're getting good. And, okay. and that was a very, you can see the efficiency of that process, not having to look at every single diamond and judge it. And I thought, maybe we could do something like this in venture capital, right? Um, mm -hmm. so how like can it. we do this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you can't just take every one that comes along because distributions of venture capital returns, you get a few really high performers and lots that don't make the mark. Mm -hmm. So how do you get both of those things? Um, so, you know, I've looked for a way, instead of being a traditional VC, um, we want to avoid that sort of duplication. And so what I've looked at is a collaborative process. So what we did is um, we struck a deal with Uniseed um, and they uh, are basically... Uh, their member organizations, the main, the leading universities in Australia, you know, University of Queensland, UNSW, Sydney, New Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and so what we do is I said, let, I talked to the CEO who I know um, and said, can we have a collaborative process where we contribute to your process and you contribute to ours? Because I, I sit on their investment committee. So when yeah. they have the decisions, I um, contribute to that and, and also their investment managers. And then, so founders then, instead of having to go through us and then Uniseed and everyone else, they just do us together mm. and we work together. And then 
and that way, and because Unicid have, um, you know, their position uh, with all these universities, then they're getting this whole process of selecting through all the universities, just a few that are working out um, to be most promising. Mm. Um, so that way we're getting the benefits of both. It's a collaborative process. We're not making them seeing lots of other investors, but we, we're doing it of what they're already doing. It's part of what they're already doing. So um, to me, that was much more efficient. Yeah. So what would you say the specialties of Stoic then? Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, we've got a couple of specialties. One is um, we're early stage, which is um, what you need to do for universities, since most of these are just, you know, research ideas coming out of the lab. Yeah. Um, and often they don't have a founder to lead them yet. Uh, two, we um, focus on university research. So uh, we want to be good at the where the best IP we think is coming out in Australia, which are the univer main universities. Yeah. And um, three, it's also this um, specialty around our collaborative approach. That's yeah, um, okay. kind of unique in the industry, I think. And so you you manage the fund. Who else is on the team with you? Well, you know, because of this collaborative approach, um, I, I think of Uniseed and our integration with as part of the whole team, really. Because uh, yeah. um, they've got, you know, each of the representatives from the universities, um, tech transfer officers are part of what is the university uh, Uniseed process. And so we... Um, you know, work with them and draw on their expertise from all these different universities. And they've also got their own experts that they've brought in separately. Um, like they've got the CEO of a listed um, pharma company, Cyanata Therapeutics. Um, yeah. So he understands the pharmaceutical industry really well. And you've got people from other areas. So so that way we've got the whole, um, you know, Uniseed sort of ecosystem working with us. Yep. So, so give it, give us a flavour, Jeff, of um, some of. I know you've only been going for a couple of years. Some of the um, startup businesses that are in the portfolio. Sure. Um, well, at the moment we've got seventeen uh, companies, um, pretty much all from Australian universities. Mm -hmm. um, about half of them are health, I'd say, um, which are mostly um, drugs and medical devices. Okay. Um, and a few applied um, software. Um, ones there. So some examples of ones are we've got uh, a, a drug that was develop, developing in from out of University of Sydney that's uh, uh, treating um, rehab uh, addiction uh, for people in rehab. Mm -hmm. So if you have a, you yeah, know, opioid addiction or alcoholism, then um, it will help you with the, the cravings from that. Um, we've got uh, people that are um, got macular degeneration in their eye, um, just instead of getting injections in your eye, which they have to do now, which is like a terrible kind of thing to have to think about. Is, that um, that just does not sound to... good. No, that's right. <laughs> but they'd have it, you know, because it's macular degeneration. Mm. But um, they're, they're trying to develop eye drops to make it a much more um, palatable, I guess, uh, maybe the right word, um, uh, treatment. Um, there's uh, We've got breast cancer um, side effect uh, treatments. Um, we've also got... Uh, helpful uh, blood processing collection. So when you get serum from patients, it helps um, when they've got um, blood thinners in their blood, it stops that um, from coagulating the blood. And this um, kind of uh, treatment to the blood processing stops that happening. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got uh, uh, Cardihab, which is a... a, a oh, yes. Of, uh, yeah. You've heard of Cardihab? Yeah. 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 They've got a... a uh, if you have a heart attack and you have to go through rehab with your um, 
cardiologist. Uh, that helps you um, do it at home, especially out in the regions, and it, um, it helps you stick to your plans so they get uh, better outcomes. Uh, we've got um, people that get eye damage from their diabetes. Um, you know, the, um, uh, the vessels at the back of their eye get damaged and they go blind from that. So this mm. helps treat the, the scarring in your eyes that occur from that. Um, they're sort of the typical, yeah, most okay. of the health ones, yeah. Um, and on the health, the non-health ones are what you call deep tech, I guess, in venture yes. capital. Yes, yeah. We've got um, uh, agricultural robots that go through and um, help with the, uh, uh, you know, identifying weeds and removing them and, and uh, picking the produce out and um, herding. I could do with some weeding in my front garden, Jeff. Yeah, well, you know, maybe we'll, that's the way we're heading soon, isn't it? You know, like, it's not just farmers. Uh, so maybe we'll, uh, uh, we'll, you know, in another few decades, we'll be we'll be at that level. Um, but uh, that's I think it's it's really cool for the farmers. These guys, you know, they don't take a day off in three months because they're uh, there's no labour out there to help them. So you know, robots will will be their saviour in the end. Uh, Fantastic. You know, we've got, yeah, we've got more micro, which is a little. Uh, a, a Wi-Fi chip that um, is very low energy, so it uses very little um, power, um, which is good when you've got all these big um, server farms that um, rely yeah. on oh, yeah. servers that yeah. generate a lot of heat. You've got, um, and they're long distance, so we'll go for you know about a, a kilometer. Um, and so uh, we've got a Perky, which is a um, probiotic drink that um, normally, if you drink probiotics, um, that gets down. Uh, destroyed by the acid in your gut so these are encapsulated in a little uh, envelope so when you drink it um it goes down to your gut and they they survive mm. uh so um they're they're in all the supermarkets around australia now uh we've got uh wildlife drones that does um tracking of wildlife um uh so when you've got uh a bird that you might release into the wild that you've been breeding yeah and they go all over the place um these uh, zoos that are trying to uh, save these rare species can track where they're going and making sure they're surviving. Um, and they can also track, uh, you know, uh, animals that are pests, like, you know, wild horses or, or um, uh, you know, feral pigs, mm. feral pigs, you know. So, so this is all helping with ecology, um, the drones. Uh, we've got um, genetically engineered plants. Um, so yeah, that plants that have different characteristics that are um, more resistant to uh, disease, for example, like fungus or, um, uh, you know, better characteristics like they're larger or they're more flavorful uh, and, and they can do it um, faster than uh, typical GMO methods. It sounds like you've got your hands full. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of companies there. Yeah, and and um, how, do you, how, do you, how do you stay on top of them all? Well, that, that's it. That's why the point, like if, if I were to do this in, in a traditional way, I would be looking at one deal. I look at lots of deals, and I would do one deal in a year. Yeah. That's why the big VC funds, because we've got a collaborative approach, and we've mm. got the whole network of, and I'm working with them. Then we can do it together, and we can, you know, have all our joint resources without any real extra effort from um, our collaborative team. So, all all the people that are seeking money. So, I just think it's a much better way for venture capital to scale, which is a problem at that level because you've got a lot of deals you have to look at and you have to do it efficiently. Yeah. Oh, oh so, so I see this is the way forward to solve this problem at the early stage university level where you do need to give them a lot of help and, and, um, and, uh, uh, and sort through them, but um, do it efficiently. 
On a, on a side note, um, you'd be very interested, no doubt, on the hunt for the, the vaccine for the coronavirus, given um, you, you're dealing with universities. What, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? Yeah, so that sounds very exciting, uh, you know, um, but when you look at it, um, it's kind of hard to make money out of those sort of things from an investor perspective because uh, one is that uh, it may be a one-off thing. Yeah. And that, that you know, so uh, if there's a vaccine and, and coronavirus gets resolved with those uh, vaccines, then you don't have a continuing, um, you know, need for it. Uh, the other thing is that... Uh, and there's a lot of competition there and there's a lot of money going into it around the world, you know. Mm. And so it's very hard to um, be the winner in, in all that. Um, plus, we already have some uh, treatments that can actually help with um, these sort of things. Like one of the uh, uh, health ones we're developing um, in respiratory is a is a nasal spray uh, that you um, – it, it enhances your immunity. So when you um, spray it into your nose, it goes into your respiratory uh, lining and it would actually uh, help prevent um, infect, infection by coronavirus and could also help treat it. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, so, some of the things we're doing now already are, um, while they're not vaccines, they're, they're still treatments for, um, for COVID. So, uh, and, and I, I um, yeah, from, from an investor perspective, right, um, I try and avoid fads where everyone's thinking something's really hot and going toward that. You know, I'd much rather have uh, some little niche. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that no one's seen coming, and and uh, it's really unique and does something unusual. That that sort of resonates with me as, as something that um, tends to have better returns over time. Um, you you mentioned you mentioned earlier uh, you're an early stage investor. Give us yeah. some flavour around what that looks like. So with these companies, you don't want to give them too much money, right? Because that will uh, uh, give them the wrong incentives and. Part of the benefit, of, I think, of being a startup is you've don't ha- you can't just throw money at a problem like big companies do, and you've got to try different things um, that that are cost efficient. Um, so we've made of those seventeen investments, um, our average investment would be about three hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Um, and that that ranges from um, the smallest being about twenty five thousand um, dollars to uh, around a bit over a million dollars, the largest. Mm. Um, now, most of these, I said, because we're an early stage um, fund, these are options. So we invest in these. We're not sure that they're going to work out. Of but, course. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, we put small, and we also tranche the investments. So, you know, we, we give them a smaller amount, and then uh, if Follow they meet on. certain milestones, yeah, yeah they um, give them extra. Uh, and so um, when they do succeed, we'll give them larger amounts of capital over time. So, um, yeah, this is our. Our, uh, you know, we've got a portfolio now of um, smaller uh, companies with smaller investments, and uh, later on we'll we'll raise a second follow-on from probably, and then put larger amounts um, when they get much bigger. Given these companies are coming straight out of university, often uh, people in labs researching. Do you? Is it your experience that you find that the people who initially have the idea, the founders? are well-equipped to run a business? Yeah, so that's been the problem with, uh, one of the problems with university um, commercialization is that the culture of being a researcher, and I was a researcher myself, um, uh, although I was in the management area, um, 
uh, is one of, uh, you know, being a, a specialist in your uh, unique tech area with a lot of emphasis on proving the technical ability of the, you know, product you're trying to develop. Now, that's important because you need those kind of people. But um, when you're going to be commercializing a, um, this sort of research, you need to have a balance of that with the commercial aspects, which is being able mm. to sell, you know, being able to use your networks in the in the business world. And, you know, to be truthful, academics don't have those kind of networks. And they uh, also are um, typically, and sometimes they do, but not always. And they also um, uh, don't have that commercial perspective as well as they yeah. could. Yeah. So that that that's what's kept a lot of people out of the university commercialization area um, in the past. I think uh, that's improved a lot, and a lot of that's thanks to um, Uniseed because they've have done a good job at making that work now. Yeah. So how do you um, so how do you overcome that? Because if you're a researcher, as you say, you might not necessarily be a good salesman. So do you, do you partner them up or makes it when you're investing? Do you make suggestions to say, well? Um, ideally, you need a chief marketing officer or someone yeah. else, a chief revenue officer, to ensure that the business is successful. Exactly. So, so sometimes they actually do have those skills, and in fact, we've had some of these CEOs who have gone through the whole process and been successful and sold off their company, and now coming, we're getting them to come back and do it again. So those, but there's not many of those kind of people, right? They're the ideal. Yeah. Um, so what we do um, in the other cases is we try and find someone um, from outside to compliment them. Mm. Um, and, you know, we might keep them as a CEO, the, uh, the researcher or, or the, um, uh, the founder, but uh, we can maybe get a, a sales director who is directly reportable to the board. So they're really, you know, got a lot of power to have adjustments to what's going on um, because that feedback from the customers um, and then being able to use that to adapt the product that they're developing it really needs a clean path to the decision makers. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you, you have to have that sort of ability in the companies you set up. So, you know, we, we can do that. Um, you know, it depends on a case by case basis, obviously. Of course. And, and yeah, and some, some academics are just natural business people. You know, like, <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. you know, like, uh, how varied it is, you know, despite the sort of stereotypes they actually are quite good and, and you're very, and they've worked well. So, um, but but often, you know, someone who's got a, maybe an MBA as well as a like a, a science or a medical degree. Yes. Um, so those kind of people um, have worked very well, and that, that's probably the model. Yeah. So when you are assessing a deal, and you're you're almost at the point of, of signing off, what what are some of the the key things that you and your team uh, look for when it's sort of the, the yes or no moment. Yeah, well, um, I mean, it depends a little bit on the type of business it is. Obviously, drugs you know, um, are different to um, some sort of software or um, clean tech. But, uh, you know, the, the most important things are, uh, you know, we, we ha as an investor, we have to go all the way to five or 10 years down the road and say, you know, we want to be able to sell this for a certain amount. Yeah. And then we have to work backwards from that. And then we say, what are the key risks for this business in each of those steps? Because there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And having gone through our, our investment criteria and each of those steps, what's the one that's most likely to be an issue? And then we really try and have a debate around that. 
um, because that's where you're going to um, uh, be the real, you know, decider. Um, uh, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, the founder, whether the founder is going to be able to uh, to do it. Um, another one might be the intellectual property, like, is it defensible enough? You know, do we have good enough um, uh, rights over this um, to, to make it work? Or is there some kind of prior art somewhere that um, might mean we can't uh, defend it in a certain country? Uh, but, uh, you know, usually it's around... Um, Will someone pay for it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the all-important yeah. question. Yeah, and you can get people that say it sounds good and that, but it's just will they actually pay enough money to justify to make this whole worthwhile? Because you know it's got to be for all the costs we're putting in. You know these are often clinical trials, and and there's a lot. You know millions of dollars. Um, you that the the person who or, or organization has to be willing to pay a substantial amount for it. And so we have to look very carefully at the, if that is the case. And whatever evidence we can get to support that, um, you know, whether it be the efficacy of the, the drug, you know, does it really actually work, you know, like it say it was with the patients and, and give them the good sort of outcomes, um, or can it make a profit large enough for the user business like that's going to buy it to generate those sort of returns? What's the current, in your view, the current uh, state of play on the, the startup sector coming out of universities um looking looking in i would say it's it's pretty healthy what's what's your assessment of it yeah look look it's a lot better than it was um when i was an academic years ago um and and uh you know as you uh we've got some entry in there with um uh you know main sequence ventures you said who uh uh came out of the csiro and also mm. worked with universities and um you know but uh, and they do work with early stage, but they're a larger fund. They've got $200 million. And so they, they're they wanting to do bigger deals. Um, and so, you know, we can still differentiate from them by being more focused on the really early ones. Uh, and then um, it, it is getting better. Um, I think uh, there's more collaboration between the universities and industry. Um, there's more spin-out companies happening. I think the, the tech transfer offices used to emphasize uh, trying to get corporations to come and license it from them. Um, they're now more open to um, seeing spin-out companies where the university will actually invest in shares in the company and then allow the faculty to um, and some managers to, to spin it out of the university, mm. uh, which, is, which is a very different model for them. And, um, and there's been some successes with that. So they're they're actually now pushing this further, and that that's really good. Where you've got role models um, that have worked for the university and the researchers to to want to support this. Tell us about the investors that make up Stoic Ventures. Sure. So, um, you know, our our main uh, limited partner is um, Atlas Advisors Australia. That's a um, organisation that has been very successful at. Uh, Getting clients on the, in the significant investor visa market. Um, that's a, um, a visa program where wealthy uh, overseas investors uh, will uh, to to get permanent residency. They will invest um, five million dollars in Australia, and and a certain percentage of that has to go into venture capital. Um, and and so uh, they've allocated those funds to us um, to. Uh, yeah, to uh, make sure that those and 
uh, clients of theirs that are compliant with those visa requirements? The VC market in Australia. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts on on how Australia is performing relative to, say, the United States or the UK? Oh yeah, look, um, I uh, I think obviously you know the US is uh, the world leader in venture capital, <laughs> and China's catching up uh, significantly. Um, the I think Australia um, has got a really healthy university system. Um, so it's got the makings of a great venture capital sector. You know, look, if you look in Sydney, for example, within the space of a small area between University of Technology Sydney, University of Sydney, um, UNSW and uh, Macquarie and, and University of Western Sydney, you've got a huge amount of um, resources there, students and faculty, um, high level research going on, lots of publications. And, and if you're in that, ecosystem then you've got a wonderful funnel of of investment opportunities um, what we've got to now do is is um, uh, make sure that we've got the people in place at trying to help those people bring those out and that's where we're weak and that's why you know stoic is there because we see that as a problem and and, and where we can actually contribute uh, and uh, and it is getting better because there's more funds like uh, Uniseed and 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 uh, Main Sequence Ventures and and us uh, trying to contribute to this space, and and we've also seen successes um, with uh, also organisations like um, you know uh, Blackbirds, obviously one of the more famous ones. Where the, yeah, yeah, you've got Atlassian. I mean, those tend to be more IT based and um, uh, more uh, yeah, software and and um, and not university, but um, that still is a role model for what other people can do, right, with intellectual property. Do you uh, look at deals outside of the university sector? Uh, I mean, we, we've looked at some. Um, we try to stick to be to the university because that's where we can be distinctive, um, both um, where we see the problem is and where... And it's uh, working. Yeah, that seems to be working. You know, we've mm. got... I, I look at the portfolio and I go, wow, this has um, got a lot of potential. Um each of them, every single company has a potential to be like, you know, 10 times return on investment. Um, and that's what you want. And, you know, and a normal uh, VC fund has like maybe 10 in their whole portfolio over the whole life of their fund. And we've done 17 in, in uh, two and a half years. So, um, you know, that that's, um, that's efficient. And, you know, and so I think it's a, a good solution to the problem. So it seems as though there's no shortage of deal flow coming into your inbox on a on a weekly basis? No, no, no. That's because of the, you know, the model we're following. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, and there's more out there. And I think with more uh, help, more coaching of these uh, founders um, to help them get ready for in, to be investor ready, um, there can be even more. So um, that's my next problem is, is how do we, um, you know, improve that funnel even more to, to uh, increase the number of quality deals. And do you think... Uh, because of the lockdown that we've all been in for many months now, that innovation uh, and ingenuity is increasing, given that people potentially have had to, you know, rip up their idea and, and start again. Do you think that's where real creativity is born? Oh, uh, yeah, totally. Um, you know, you, you look at um, it, the great ideas that come out of where you see a problem. I, I remember I saw a study on, you know, um, the steel mill industry, uh, 
where you had um, uh, you know steels would be these big integrated things uh, where you got iron ore that came in and Italy had a problem because they didn't have much um, iron ore so they but they had a lot of scrap metal and so they developed this electric arc furnace technology for their to make steel which became the new method of steel making that's been very popular around the world these mini mills um, and so it's driven out of a, a problem that you face that causes you to do differently um, what you normally do, uh, you know, like, and and so uh, and and we're seeing it now with all these, um, uh, you know, explosion of telehealth uh, and mm. um, yep. you know online purchasing and uh, online payments and uh, yeah, it, it is it will working be from home, learning work, from home. Yep, yep, yeah. Education is is booming. Online education tools are all being given a big tailwind because of this um, uh, learning from home process so uh, it is a positive the silver lining is that uh you know like in in china alibaba and and jd.com their biggest uh, online retailers got their big boost was when they had the sars virus mm. yeah and, and so the same it'll be the same for the businesses here that do well out of the uh, out of the coronavirus so it's it's a positive well, Dr. Jeff Waring, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. We wish you well with, uh, with the fund. It sounds as though it's going fantastically well, and we will track your journey with interest over the years to come. Thank you so much for joining us on VC Land today. That's well, been fun, Justin. I, I enjoyed um, interacting with you. Thanks for the time.